Have you ever dreamed of just packing it all in and moving to a farmhouse in rural France? Ever since author Peter Mayo captured our imaginations in A Year in Provence, the sunny countryside of southeastern France has become a favorite place for many to visit, and some even end up moving there. I'm Rick Steves, and today on Travel with Rick Steves, we're taking a closer look at Provence. Gently rolling landscape, dotted with vineyards, pastures filled with sunflowers, old stone farmhouses, and those cozy, quaint villages. Our guests are two experts on south of France. Patrick Vidal guides thousands of visitors through his native France, and Steve Smith is my right-hand man on all things France here at Europe Through the Back Door. Steve actually lived the year in Provence experience by buying a farmhouse in France and becoming part of the community. You're in for a continental treat as we discover the French joie de vivre in sunny Provence. Today on Travel with Rick Steves. Whether you make it your home base for a few days or actually pack up and move there, Provence in southeastern France has been a hit with foreign visitors, and for good reason. I'm Rick Steves, and in the hour ahead, we're discovering why so many people find Provence as just the right recipe for the French good life. Joining us are Patrick Vidal, a Paris-based tour guide, and Steve Smith, who co-authors my France guidebooks and is a part-time French local himself in his own village farmhouse. Patrick, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Bonjour. And Steve, bonjour. Thrilled to be here. Bonjour. Bonjour. We're talking about Provence, and when we talk about Provence, it could be interpreted just anywhere outside of Paris, can't it? But there's a little bit of misunderstanding for two words, two different words. It's Provence and Provence, which writes V-I-N-C-E. And Provence is anything which is outside of France. Ah, of Paris. I-N-C-E, Provence. Yeah. P-R-O-V-I-N-C-E instead of Provence. I gotcha. Yeah. So Provence is anything which is outside of Paris. If you are Provençal, you're coming from outside Paris. Does that mean less cultured? For the Parisian, yeah. All For right. the Provence people, it means uh, more space. More space and uh, less culture. More there, space. You know, there's, there's a, Paris is like uh, London in England or New York in the States. It's kind of a, it's a different country. Yeah. For the French. And so you've got prov- Provençal and Provence. Yes. Tell me the two words yeah. again. Then. Provin- Provence, Provin- Provençal, sorry, Provençal and Provençal. Which, uh, which one would are, be of the region of Provence? Yes. And okay, and the region of Provence. Is that a specific, is there a line that says this is Provence and that's not? Officially, yes. I mean, the administration called the entire region PACA, P-A-C-A, which is Provence-Alpes-Côte d'Azur. So that means that includes uh, Nice and the French Riviera and a little bit of the southern part of the Alps there. That's the official region. But when we think about But Provence. when we think about Provence, we think of the western part of that, which is the region which is along the Rhone River. Uh, all, all the way down from from Vaison la Romaine to Marseille, pretty much there. Yeah, yeah I think I think we um, split the area between Provence, which is really as east as uh, Marseille, up to what a um, little bit north of Avignon, and the the Riviera is all that is, um, pardon me, east of uh, Marseille. So, when talking about the south of France, mm-hmm. are they thinking of Provence and the French Riviera, basically? And I think all along the coast, really, to Spain, along okay. the western coast, too, yeah. yeah. Now, I think Peter Mayle has done a big deal to contribute to what Americans think of when we think of Provence mm-hmm. from his book, A Year in Provence. Absolutely. Peter Mayle has created a big, a big wave of people who wanted to come and buy places, and uh, he's the first one who did the, this, big, uh, this big hit into the... Uh, Real estate market. So that really had a spike on the real estate market. Absolutely, yeah, it's really? a big thing. Oh yeah, English first. Peter Mel, where he's an Englishman, and uh, and the English came came down there. And now the second hit has been done by the uh, high speed train, which is linking Paris to Avignon to Marseille. Marseille takes three hours and twelve minutes. So it's a thriving area because of it, many things, but those two. Absolutely, reasons. yeah, do, do, yeah, yeah. Steve, you've your family has bought a, mm-hmm. a countryside house just in a, France, just a little bit north of there, yeah, in of the Burgundy, area. Mm-hmm. southern part of Burgundy. Yeah. What's your take on the whole Peter Mayle thing and all this year in Provence interest in America? Well, I love his stories. I love what he says, and I've lived a lot of those stories, having restored a farmhouse too. And anybody who has done that can relate to a lot of his stories, and, and they're told in a in a lovely way. I, I know at the time, I, I think Patrick, there was some offense taken by locals. How, having said that, I think it's interesting because I think the trendiness of Provence is gone. 
Mm-hmm. All right. I notice I go every year and I research hotels. Bed and breakfasts are closing. There's an overbuilding of bed and breakfasts that you saw that was, I think, a buildup of the various books that Peter Mail wrote mm-hmm. and other things that led to such a trendiness in Provence that is now, it's a great place to go now, frankly, because two things. There was an overbuild of hotels, I think, in bed and breakfast, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So prices have stabilized and there's availability anytime, anywhere virtually. Now, if you're looking for, I, I love this phrase, profound France. To mm-hmm. me, it means quintessentially French. Patrick, what does that mean to you? Pro- France profonde, what do you say? France profonde, yeah, absolutely. That's the, that's the word there. Uh, what does it mean? That means, uh, that means a bit... I don't know if we can call Pro- uh, Provence really the, the, the France profonde there. I mean, it's... Uh, no, it's, I don't it's, think so. It's overbuilt. It's a lot of people coming down there. Yeah. As, as, uh, as Steve said, I mean, a lot of tourism, a lot of bed and breakfast places and all that kind of things there. If you if you were referring to France profonde to French people, they wouldn't point out Provence. Where would they point you? They point out Burgundy, maybe they point out uh, L'Auvergne, which the is Lauvergne, the, the central exactly. region of France, uh, kind of hilly, uh, mm-hmm. all volcanic mountains down there, uh, which is very, 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 very uh, isolated there. But Provence wouldn't come as a, as the France profonde. Yeah, and it's a funny thing. I wonder what you think of this, Patrick. I've asked many French people whether it's pejorative expression or not. And it's sort of half and half. Half don't take it negatively. Others think that it's an, a demeaning uh, uh, well, reference. We come back to our province thing. There. Yes, <laughs> profonde. People who live in the province think that France profonde, they're pretty happy to be there. Uh, People who live in Paris think that's... that's so it's, it's the rural. Of, it's sort of like yeah, farm but, life. It's I think they're, they're profoundly think. happy to be in profound France. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, if you get in well. a nice situation in the French countryside, I can imagine that. When we're thinking about going to Provence, the region in the south of France that's not on the coast, basically, the Rhone River Valley, mm-hmm. I think. Um, Steve, you take groups around. Uh, mm-hmm. How would you prioritize if somebody has, let's say, a week to dedicate to what they've heard of as Provence? Mm-hmm. What would their priorities be? Arles and Avignon to start with. Arles uh, and Avignon. And Avignon. And I, one reason is, is if you travel throughout France, you have Paris and then a lot of small villages. The draw to France, I think, are the vineyards, the lovely villages and castles, and not the cities after Paris. However, Provence is the exception. You have a, a, a variety of great cities, as you know, Rick. A- Avignon, Arles, Aix-en-Provence, uh, Nîmes, Marseille, etc. So I'd start with Arles and Avignon. And, and that's then basically I'd, the Rhone Valley, right? Yeah, and they're only half an hour apart. Easily done from one or the other. I don't think you need to sleep in both cities. Use one as the base. Whichever one, they're the two very different cities. I don't know what you think, Patrick, but I think they offer really a, a big difference. Okay. Yeah, they're very different cities. And, and the great thing about them is that Provence, when you look at it uh, on, on our map or whatever, there, it's not that big a place. So when you stay in one of those places there, you can easily radiate around. Mm-hmm. Uh, now and we hear about Luberon. What is that? Luberon is a little, uh, is a little valley, uh, which, is, uh, which is east of this line, Avignon, the Avignon Rhone, Arles, the Rhone, the the Rhone, Rhone River. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty secluded. Uh, it's, it's maybe the part of Provence, which is the closest to, uh, to the France Profonde there. Okay. It's a little bit isolated. It's a little bit mountainy, and you don't have too much that. But because of that, that became the place to buy properties, and that's where you got all the wealthy people bought big properties with swimming pools. Wealthy Americans and Brits? And Dutch and German okay, and Swiss. Okay, so that, that takes a toll on the profoundly Frenchness of Abs- it all, I would think. Absolutely, yeah. So the irony is absolutely. people irony, people think this is where you go, Luberon, and but everybody thought that's that. That's always the way it works. I mean, anywhere in the world, when a place is renowned, suddenly it's become fashionable as the whatever country performed there, yeah, I remember it doesn't stay like that for, for a long time. The, the south coast of uh, Portugal is called the last bit of undiscovered coastline <laughs> in Iberia. You know, in any place that's famous as the last bit of undiscovered coastline, it's going to be discovered. It's not going to be like that for very long. Well, yeah, can I sure. finish? After, after Avignon and Arles, you asked for the, my favorite week. Oh, good. Okay. okay. And I would go to the Luberon. And I think after that, you want Roman ruins. Right. Okay. You got the Pont du Gard and the Theodore in Orange, which are both world-class, amazing uh, Roman ruins. The Pont du Gard is the 2,000-year-old aqueduct that fed, what, 44 million gallons of water a day to the Roman city. So of a Nîmes. lot of people say some of the best Roman ruins are actually in France, on right. the Rhone Valley. exactly. And the Theatre in Orange is another great example of a, of a classical theater for that purpose. So I have the cities, the Roman ruins, and then villages. Mm-hmm. And great villages in the Luberon. One thing about the Luberon, Patrick, that I think that makes it famous is development is controlled. Hmm. Unlike the other area that I like for villages is the Côte du Rhône area, the area up um, just north of like Chateauneuf-du-Pape. I know they're not far apart. They're about an hour far. One's north of Arles or Avignon, and the other, the Luberon, is east. They're two entirely different areas, though, I think, for small village cruising in, uh, and enjoying country life. And now all this is much more accessible from Paris by TGV. Is it ever? How long from Paris to Avignon? About by two hours. Two hours and two what? Two hours and 15 minutes, yeah. something like that, yeah. Wow. 
Now, the region is confronted with some challenges. There's a lot of North Africans and Muslims in mm. France. What, I think 8% of the population in, in general in France or so is, is Muslim. Something like that, yeah. yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, in the south, Marseille is, is very heavily... Uh, uh, Marseille is the gateway for, for the immigration in France. I mean, it's the big port where a lot of people from northern Africa, from the former French colonies, are entering France. And in Provence, they find a place where there are a lot of seasonal jobs that the local people don't really want to bother with. So seasonal jobs mostly being Picking agricultural. Fruits, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And tourism as well. I mean, there's, there's a lot of jobs in tourism, which are just for the... I mean, it can be on the beaches, it can be on the, on different places. So right? it's an issue in the United States with immigrants coming in from south of the border who will work cheaply on the farms to pick the fruit, right? Absolutely. Same exactly thing in the same issue. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Is it a what? What are the what are the challenges? What, what are but the, the challenge is that uh, I mean, most of the time they enter here, they uh, they don't necessarily uh, plan to stay here, but they find out that oh, we can have a job and we can we get some families which have already been around there, so it's pretty cool to stay here. There are jobs and it's it's cheap to live. They are in around Avignon, around the, around Arles, around all those towns. A lot of developments down there. And they stay there. And a big problem is that uh, one of the, you certainly have heard of this uh, political party, the extreme right wing party from Jean-Marie Le Pen. The That's Front the National, National Front. National Front there uh, has got this, the, the, the place where he has got the more followers is down there in Provence. Really? Because they've got 25% of Marseille is... is uh, they've got a lot of immigration. North African. Them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah It's very, very fact, linked to that. Patrick, aren't several cities with mayors from that political party as well? Or there were, I remember, and in Provence area. Uh, from the far they, right party. They, and well, how yeah. far right is National Front? Is it is it openly like tell the Moroccans to go back to, or the North Africans? But to the, get out the, of the, the original idea is uh, stay. We've got six million uh, immigrants. We've got three million unemployed. Let's get rid of the immigrants and we'll have job for everybody there. I think their slogan is France for the French, isn't it? Yeah, French. Priority, that says, priority says to it right the French. There. And it's, that might sound fringy to us, but there's actually mayors that are from that party. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, they were, I mean, they've lost them the, on the last election there, but uh, Orange, Vitrolles, and I think Carpentras, three, more than 10,000 people, towns there, were run by, by the Front National for a little while. There. Probably not a nice atmosphere for a Moroccan immigrant or a North African immigrant. No, and a lot of, uh, they, they discovered that they created a lot of problems as well on, uh, like, like public library were not allowed to back certain kind of books and things like that. It went pretty far. So it, we'll have to stay tuned pretty to that. Far. So we're talking about Provence. I'm joined by Patrick Vidal from France and Steve Smith, who co-authors my guidebook to France. We've learned that there's a, a big immigrant population from North Africa. We've learned there's a lot of expats from American Britain that are charmed by the cuteness of Provence. We learned that it's uh, easy access from Paris now, two hours away by train. Lots of change going on in the south of France. Eight seven seven three 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 Rick. That's our phone number, and by email, we're at radio at ricksteves.com. Let's hear your stories about exploring Provence as we continue our adventures in the south of France on Travel with Rick Steves. My name is Elisabeth Van Est, and I'm from the Netherlands. 
and I'm going to mention one of our tongue twisters. It says, Moeder snijdt zeven scheefsneden brood. That means, Mother cuts seven crooked slices of bread. Moeder snijdt zeven scheefsneden brood. <laughs> That's so good! The face of Provence may be changing, with new immigrants from North Africa and all those retirees pouring in from Northern Europe and North America. But it's still Provence. Our guides join us today to reveal the essence of this region, from the noisy bustle of Marseille to a lazy backroad chorus of cicadas. We're taking your calls to help you plan a trip to Provence at 877-333-RIC. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. I'm joined by uh, a Frenchman and a Francophile. Patrick Vidal comes to us from France, and Steve Smith is my friend and co-author of our guidebook to France. We're talking about Provence, part of the south of France, and we're discussing uh, the changes going on in Provence. Marseille is by far the biggest city in Provence, isn't it? It's the second largest city in France, yeah. yeah. All right. It's a pretty large town, yeah. And it's um, actually, it's not, it used to be kind of a rough and tumble town with a almost a dangerous atmosphere. Now it's, it's, it's coming in its own, isn't it's it? It's changing. It's, uh, it's very much changing. I mean, when, you, when you exit at the uh, train station in Saint-Charles there and we go down to the port down there, you don't feel that much the, uh, the, the old atmosphere of the town there. It's kind of it's very clean, much cleaner. Let's, let's put it like that. It's much cleaner, much straighter. It's, it's been rebuilt, and there's a lot of things which are, which are not as scary as yeah, it used to be. You take a left-hand turn about halfway to the port, and you find yourself it in Algeria. It doesn't take long, yeah, that's for and sure. And it feels like. Is it Algeria, or where are the people from? Algeria, Morocco, Tunisia. North uh, Africa. F- and, and also former French colonies, down, down more down south. I mean, like uh, Ivory Coast. Like okay, Ghana, so this is the gateway to the French uh, colonial heritage, basically, Absolutely, yeah. in mm-hmm. Africa. Yes. Now, we were talking about this uh, larger-than-ever uh, Arab presence and, and Muslim presence in France. We've seen the headlines in Paris with mm-hmm. the burning cars and the, and the problems, uh, and we've talked about Marseille, uh, but the traveler doesn't really uh, come across that very much, do they? No. I mean, that's what I worry about sometimes when we talk about that. In, in fact, you have to go to Marseille to really I th- feel it or to observe it. Otherwise, in Arles Avignon and the villages of the Luberon and the Côte Rhone, Roman ruins, etc., you won't notice it very much, except at the open markets. And I, I mean, I think that's also one of the brilliant aspects of Provence. It's the crossroads of Italy to Spain, east to west, that is, north to south, down the Rhone Valley, as well as with the uh, proximity. I think you're closer in, uh, in Arles to North Africa than you are to Paris. Uh, yeah, and, and on top of that, there's the open markets and the restaurants, because you've got the, right. the best couscous restaurants in France. And you say that you bring that up as if you like it. It's a plus. Oh, I love the couscous. Yeah, the fr- it's, very, very, uh, it's very fashionable with the French at the moment. You're absolutely right. I mean, this is the one part of France where you actually get spice in your cuisine. And, I mean, more than that, spice in the life on the, on the streets as well. So it's a good thing. I think it is. And this they, is important to keep clear. We right. look at burning cars in Paris. Well, that's an economic problem. But you look at the multi-ethnicity right. of Arles on market day. That's what I mean. Exactly. And I, going to Marseille is an amazing place. I, I agree. And there's almost no site. There's not virtually any site worth walking into in Marseille, the second largest city of France, with no museum. or I mean, there's the Notre Dame de la Gare. Church is beautiful. But in terms of museums or site, it's the city. That's the site. And one of the reasons the city is so interesting is its setting on the, that beautiful harbor, much like Naples is in southern Italy. And I think this mix of ethnic cultures. I love it. And you won't find it anywhere else really in France but there. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking about Provence today in the south of France. I'm joined by Patrick Vidal and Steve Smith. And we have Tom on the line in Newport Beach, California. Hi, Tom. Hi, Rick. Thanks for the call. What do you have in mind? Uh, I had a question about uh, the Provence area. I'd love to go visit and possibly combine it, a two-week trip in Burgundy. But would you say one week is enough for running around Provence and getting uh, the food and architecture and uh, maybe some wine time in? and what uh, sort of base camp cities you want to be savvy Rick travelers like yourself. Steve Smith's the expert in that regard. Well, I, I like a week, Tom. Um, yeah. And um, in, in, in a base, Arler Avignon to start with, but I'd also want to sleep overnight in one of the villages. Uh, so I, I'd do with a week. I'd even do maybe eight nights for a, for a decent start in Provence. If you have two weeks between there and Burgundy, you know it's straight north to Burgundy from there with a great stop in Lyon partway that you might want to consider for just okay. a real great urban fix. And then five days, something like that in Burgundy, where Patrick and I used to live just down the road from each other. Oh, great. So you would have your time in, I think, I like Arles better than Avignon, but either town is a fine home base. Yeah, Wonderful agree. sites in Arles, great market. 
then you have your chance to get up into the Côte d'Iron wine region. Well, here's what I do. I, yeah, thanks, Rick. Um, don't rent a car for the first three or four days. Base in Arles or Avignon. I agree with Rick. Arles is better. And then rent a car for three or four days. And base out of either Vaison, La Romaine, or, or there's several others that work as beautiful little village bases to experience that side of Provence. And then you can either drive to Burgundy or drop the car and take the train up there. Up okay. to Burgundy. And as Steve mentioned, Lyon is kind of in Burgundy and kind of in Provence. Is that right? Lyon is... Lyon is, is nowhere in France. Uh, if it you is look nowhere. At the, You're right. It's nowhere. If you, if you read a guidebook in France, it doesn't talk about Lyon in any of the regions. It's, it's on its own there. Really? It's not part of the Alps. It's not part of Burgundy. It's not part of Beaujolais. It's not part of Provence. And that makes it so out of the track. I mean, and it's, it's a, a great city. I love Lyon. It's the most backdoor city you can feel if you, you don't see in France. any Americans there. You don't see many tourists there. Yeah. And they've got this wonderful cuisine. Absolutely. And they are the leader in European for lighting cities at night. The uh, the lights in the city are amazing. They have conventions yeah. there. City uh, designers from all over Europe Absolutely. come there. Absolutely. They've got a, they've got a big, uh, f- I think it's the 8th of December, something like that. The beginning of December, they've got this big night where they yeah. really light up absolutely everything in the town. It's unbelievable. I was thinking back to Tom's trip. A, a beautiful two-week trip would be a, roughly a week in Provence, a night or two in Lyon, which is really halfway. I always think of Lyon as the border between Provence and mm-hmm. Burgundy. Uh-huh. Close enough. A, a night or even a full day, in, but a night in Lyon so you can eat out. I yeah. mean, that's the name of the game in Lyon. People talk about their chefs like they're great athletes, and that's the talk of the town. No matter what's going on, is the best restaurant to go to now. And you don't need to go broke by eating in a fine restaurant in Lyon. You saw that recently on your trip, I know, Rick. It's remarkable. It works for everybody. And then the rest of your, your trip in and around the Bowen area, I think, of, of Burgundy is a, is a so great two weeks. like the, the culinary capital. I know Burgundy is one of the cult- food capitals of the world, perhaps, the meccas, as it were. Very nice. Good luck on your trip, Tom. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the input. You bet. Thanks. And Judy's on the phone in Seattle. Judy, thanks for your call. Hi. 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 Well, um, my husband and I are planning a trip, and we'll have about eight, nine days um, that we were going to try to split between Burgundy and Provence and the Riviera. Um, I've been listening to your call, so you sort of answered some of it already, but if you have any suggestions. Well, that's interesting. We're seeing a trend here. People are enjoying the French countryside, Burgundy, Provence, Riviera. It makes a lot of sense. Makes makes a lot of sense, yeah. I mean, it's the same area. I mean, it's easy to drive for, or to take a train from one to the other one. It's, uh, it's, it and makes I, sense. I would recommend you not to underestimate the convenience of the Nice airport. I love that airport. Oh, I love the, it's called it, the Côte du Jour Airport, right? Well, it's we're the, leaving. We're going to leave from Nice, so we're going to end up in it's Nice. It's a fly into Paris, yeah. leave yeah. from Nice. The airport's in a landfill on the water, so you actually fly out of the Mediterranean, and the, the, mm. the view is remarkable. But what I like about her trip, Rick, and reminds me what I when I meet our readers more and more, they're focusing on areas, and I think that's great. Two weeks in those areas and such diversity, rather than really whirlwind trips mm-hmm. of two weeks that could you could try to explore all of France. You really couldn't have one night in each region. Otherwise, focusing on Burgundy. Provence and the Riviera um, in two weeks. Brilliant. France is so diverse, and we're talking about Provence, and I want to talk about some of the ways that Provence is distinctive. We've talked about Roman ruins. I've heard people argue, scholars argue the best Roman ruins in Europe are in France, on the south of France, on the Rhone Valley. Makes sense. I would not argue with that. Town markets, know what day the market is. Each town has a colorful market. I think Arles is famous. Isn't that one of the best? It is one of the best, yeah. The, two days, Wednesday two days and Saturday. Yeah. So plan, get your guidebook and plan what day you're going to be at the market. Something great about Provence is bullfights. They have bullfights and they don't kill the bull. Uh, they don't kill the bull on all of them, but they do the bullfights on which they kill the bull as well. Do they? Yeah, but absolutely. it's pretty rare now. I think it's really pretty rare. Six times a year in all, something Six. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You got a season's ticket? You can have a season ticket <laughs> if you want to, yeah. Tell us about the Provencal bullfight, the ones that I've seen where they don't kill a bull. What they do is that they more play with the cows or the bulls, that depends on which one they're doing there. There's got, there's got a proper championship around that there, and it's a very, very serious matter there, and uh, people who are coming to watch them know all the rules, and know the, the, the game is to be in front of the bull and to avoid to, to be touched by the bull, basically. You jump, you, you run around, you, uh, so this you is just a daredevil make thing for you. Yeah, young. absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but with a lot of code, a lot of, uh, I mean, it's not just like being in front of it and running around. It's a uh, certain jump give you a certain amount of points and certain uh, avoiding thing give you a certain amount of points. It's right. very, very, yeah, yeah, it's, it's now big. Now the boys have the little hook on their hand, right? Yes. I, explain what's going on there. The idea is, depending on which, which game it is there, uh, sometimes you have to take something out of the horn of the of the bull there so it's uh-huh. a little circle, little uh, ring type of thing there or sometimes you've got to put it on which is even oh, more I difficult. Haven't. So that's, that's more. I'd rather take it off than put it on. <laughs> yeah, I agree with this one. Yes. So these are these are pretty energetic bulls. Uh, in Spain, absolutely, yeah. in Spain, they wear the bulls now, and they've they've drilled them with holes. They're dripping blood. In in France, these bulls are are ready to run. 
Oui, in that kind of case, there's no no of this preparation like the picadors and all right. those kind of things there. No, no, it's it's, it's uh, a fresh they're, they're fresh out and there. Mm. He can run faster than you can. Uh, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I think the thing you haven't mentioned too is in Aro, the bullfights take place in the Roman arena, so you get two for the price of one. And for most Americans. It's, it really is the exception. I, I was just there and talking to the tourist office. You won't probably run into one of these serious bullfights, and, and you can go with an open conscience and just enjoy. You mean a, a bullfight where they kill the bull? That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. I will say, though, yeah. that bull as meat is brilliant. Tender with the rice from the area is a great dish that you can't miss if you go. In France. Whether or not you see the bullfight or hey, not. Hey, no, yeah. In Nol, Nol, no, no, you won't get that in Burgundy. No. You won't get that in Normandy or Brittany. You have to go to uh, Provence for that. cuisine specialty, Provence. Absolutely, yeah. Bull. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bull Provençal. It's called Toro. So it's, it's either, either um, written the Spanish way, T-O-R-O, right. or the French way, T-A-U-R-E-A-U there. But it's uh, you find it on the... Uh, on the menu there, it's either a dub, which is a stew, or, yeah. or a steak there of tour. Bull yeah. steak or bull stew. Well, speaking yeah. of cuisine, what else would be on our checklist when we go to Provence for good cuisine? But let's stay in Arles. And, uh, and what you've got around Arles is the, uh, the region underneath Arles is, a, is an Arlesland region, which has got a lot of rice. The Camargue. The Camargue, yeah. The Delta. That's the Delta, yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's the two arms of the Rhone River, which are finishing in the Med. Um, that's the only region in France where you grow rice. So anything which is going to be called Camargues or Camargue style would be with rice. It's also where the bulls are raised. Absolutely. It might appear on your dinner plate that night. And when you see the word Provençal on a menu, what does that mean? It's going to be with black olives. It's going to be with tomatoes. It could be with pesto. It could be with all those uh, herbs from Provence. You've got to think of Provence as a Mediterranean region there. Ah. The diet down there is Mediterranean. It's not French. It's very, very different from anywhere else in France. That's a huge distinction. We got Barry on the phone from Portland, Oregon. Hi, Barry. Hey, Rick. How you been? Good. You been thinking about eating in south of France? Always. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what's on your mind, Barry. Well, you know, the most important line to uh, learn in en français when traveling in Provence or anywhere in France is a simple line. Je voudrais une chambre pour le bain. Because if you don't have a room with a bath, you're in the dark ages. <laughs> Say this again. Say it again. Je voudrais. Je voudrais une chambre pour la bain. I think we can understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty basic. You know, Barry, it's interesting. I mean, I, I go every year and I, and I look at rooms, and I uh, I almost can't find rooms anymore without private bathroom, and I think that's what you're getting at. And, and it really is hard now, having done this for 20 years. Is that right? It is, it, it, and it's almost yeah. depressing because I used to love to find that bathroom. Well, everybody there. wants to spend $30 more a night to get a room and have private facilities. Even bed and breakfast. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's true. And, of course, you know, you were speaking of the, the cuisine in Lyon. Of course, we all know Paul Bocuse, the world-famous mm. chef. Very from good. Lyon. He's Very the guy good. who does North, South, East, and the West. Four, the four um, reasonably priced cafe restaurants. Yeah, that's right. That is great. I ate at two of his that, restaurants, yeah. and uh, it's I couldn't believe the quality and the fun and 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 the price. Well, this guy is a phenom. This show. Oh, it's phenomenal. So when you go to Lyon, there's four restaurants. One's called North. One's South. One's East. One's West. All with the same chef, and uh, apparently featuring cuisine from those parts of France. And those names would be spelled in French, of course, too. North, North. South, East, and West. <laughs> the North Diner. And it's also, by the way, I think, Patrick, it's also a trend in other cities too, where famous chefs open a less expensive option to their very ah. famous restaurants. Oh, does he have a more? F- I would assume he's got a fancier restaurant. Paul Bocuse. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> a little bit north of Just there. a little bit more expensive. You, would, right? you wouldn't. You okay, wouldn't talk these, about it with a big smile on your face. <laughs> these, these were my kind of restaurants. They were accessible restaurants. Right. They didn't feel like a buffoon. I could have a great meal for thirty bucks. No, no. Every every chef in France, every big chef in France, I've realized that it's all very well to be a three star uh, Michelin <laughs> thing there, but your custom is very limited there. Ah, so if you're going to make some day. serious money, so, you want to be accessible to the normal people. In fact, it just happened in Burgundy. I don't even in Bone. I don't know if you know it, Patrick. La Meloise, the, oh no, the uh, Hotel La Poste just did a restaurant in Bonn. That's a oh, cheap cafe. Well, it. this is a good thing, and that's mm-hmm. something to celebrate. Barry, what's your favorite uh, wine or eating tip for Provence? Well, in Provence, always order the wine of the region. And what would that be? Whatever they're serving that day, wherever you are. Because I get all turned on when I just think about the name Bondol. <laughs> and I just, for me, it's a great wine. Or Medoc. Is that is that Provence? Well, no, it's Bordeaux. Is Bordeaux? Wine. Ah, that's Bordeaux. That's okay, the, so what is your wine that you like in Bordeaux? Um, basically, I would suggest you order whatever. If you are in the French countryside in Provence, whatever they're serving as their table wine, 
where normally I would reject that wine in other countries because it's usually of lesser quality, but in Provence, it is of excellent quality. I actually think he's right, uh, but that applies to throughout France, too, I think. The Vin du Pays or Vin de Table, Patrick, uh, is going to be a local but wine. But what if you area. want a more of a complex wine with a good finish or whatever you call it? Don't you get a lot more when you spend 30 bucks instead of 15 bucks for a... But then you uh, would go up to Burgundy. <laughs> no, no, no. You can... The Côte du Rhone wines, I mean... No, no, they, are, they are exceptional wines in Côte du Rhone as well. I mean, and they're reasonably priced. I think it, it, Provence is a place to go. I wonder if you agree, Patrick. If you're going to blow a little bit on wine, the value for the money spent, I think, is exceptional. Yes, in Provence. Yes. Yeah, in Provence. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The dollar value is definitely there. Now, no. Steve, Steve taught me that rosés are actually good. And, I, you know, living in the United States, you don't, people don't respect rosés that much, do they? No, I mean, I, I think that's always a, a discovery for Americans. I think it's changing a little bit. But uh, the reason, I mean, rosé is great in hot, sunny weather. I would mm-hmm. never drink it in the winter. And there's a line where you have to be drinking, uh, seeing the Mediterranean to drink rosé, which means you're in the south of France under a shady You've got to be seeing the Mediterranean Isn't that great? to drink yeah. rosé. I love but, that. See, most people do not understand that a rosé is actually a winemaker's failure. And what I mean by that is it's his failure to develop a full-body wine. And that's why it got labeled rosé, because of the color. We, I think we can, we can argue this one. I'm not, uh, <laughs> I'm not 100% sure about that. I mean, I've, uh, I've deal with a lot of winemakers, and some of them do their rosé as they really want to do rosé, and that's a choice. And uh-huh. a lot of people do like rosé and enjoy it. And the winemakers present it with pride. Absolutely, yeah. All right. Uh, hey, Barry, we've got to run, but thanks for your call. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. One other, uh, while we're talking, drinks, uh, pastis, right? Pastis, yeah, it's a big thing about Provence as well. Yeah. Yeah, now, that's very Provençal. How can we uh, enjoy that when we travel there? How can we enjoy it? I mean, the, the pastis is, a, first of all, is a licorice drink. It's a kind of, a, if you're familiar with Greece, ouzo type ah, drink okay. there. So Very that close to that. Anise, is that right? Anise, yeah. yeah. Anise, yeah. Uh, the way you drink it is a tiny bit. It's one for seven, basically. One for seven. What's so, that mean? So one, one part of, uh, of uh, pastis, uh-huh. seven parts of water. Ah, I, I drink it. A lot of ice. O- I drink it at one o'clock, four o'clock, and seven o'clock. <laughs> That's a good answer to that. One as four well. seven. <laughs> no, one one part water, seven parts. One part uh, water, one part drink, seven part water. There, around that, it doesn't matter if it's not exactly like that. Basically, it's a long drink. That you do get it, and you add your own water. Absolutely, they never to serve the water for you. The, you okay, do it so to your taste. To your taste. So it will come with just the drink itself. A lot of ice. That's going to be the only drink in France you're going to find with reasonable amount of ice. And this is part of the rhythm of life, isn't it? You have a, a break for a pastis? Absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, it goes with uh, when you play the pétanque and uh, when Ooh, you play you the... beat me to my punch there. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's a requirement for playing pétanque. You have to come with your pastis. We're talking pastis, we're talking pétanque, we're talking Provence with Steve Smith and Patrick Vidal. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. Eight seven seven three 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 Rick and radio at ricksteves.com. Thanks for traveling with us, as Stephen Patrick take us to Provence in the south of France. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. I'm joined by Patrick Vidal from France and Steve Smith, co-author of my France guidebook. So I've got my two favorite Francophiles right here as we're talking Provence. Thanks for joining us. Our phone number, 877-333-RIC or 877-333-7425. You can email us anytime at radio at ricksteves.com. Diane's on the phone in Mustang, Oklahoma. Hi, Diane. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Mustang, Oklahoma. doesn't sound very French to me. We're right outside Oklahoma City. And I hope you're enjoying our conversation. What do you have in mind? I had in mind um, my experiences from four years ago in, in Paris. Um, I, I, I diligently practiced my French before I went, and it seemed as though everyone there pretty much greeted us in English, even if I attempted to speak French. I don't think I'm that bad. And um, we just were, we were trying to blend in more. I'm kind of curious if once we get away from the city and get to the south of France on our next visit, that we might be um, be able to speak a little more French and and not be recognized immediately as Americans. So your situation is, much as you try to speak French, the French speak English back at you. Yes. That's a different twist on the problem, isn't it? 
Yeah, for years, uh, for years, the foreigners have been complaining because the French were not speaking any foreign language, and uh, <laughs> now we're complaining because we're talking too much English. That's well, you know, <laughs> and it's Paris. Uh, she's she's right. I think yeah. you're going to find people who are trying to go out of their way to speak English to you. I think I think one one of the laws or unwritten laws is that a hotel of two stars or more has to have an English speaking receptionist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a big program now. Go to the countryside, the Provence, anywhere outside of Paris, and you're going to have a totally different experience, uh, really. Now, the big cities, Nice, no. It'll be kind of like Paris, I think you'll find. But otherwise, you will have to use your French and get to use your French. I I will look forward to that. And if you're in Provence, you have to speak it with a twang, too. (laughs) It's good fun. Hey, Diane. Not to sound American. I'm sure it's uh, it's appreciated by the French that you uh, try the language, and I think that they're just probably um, trying to help out by speaking English if they're able. But yeah. if, regardless of how you you may be new at French or struggling with your French, it is critical, more in France than any other country in Europe, I think, to know the polite words and yeah. use them. Absolutely. Patrick, when you come into a shop, what do you do? Oh, it takes more. When I go to my favorite bakery, it takes more time to get out of the bakery than to buy the bread itself. I mean, <laughs> by the time you say that, oh, your kids are doing, and uh, and see you next week, and uh, and I'm glad you gave me this marvelous bread there. That's uh, but but a traveler can get into this. That's what I love about it. If you just say bonjour monsieur or bonjour madame, man or woman, and utter it even quietly under your breath, just go into a yeah. shop. It still happens today. I love that, Patrick, about your country. Uh, people acknowledge the entrance in a shop of, of a new customer, whether they're American or French or from wherever. And you can, and a tourist can be very confident stepping into any shop, and it's, it's actually really expected, I think, that when somebody steps in, they say, Bonjour, monsieur. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. When, you, when you leave, that's fundamental. That's the formality of the French language, and you can't live without that. It just doesn't work. All right, Diane. Well, good luck on your next travels to France. Thank you. appreciate it. Bye now. CP is on the phone in Delhi, New York. Hi, CP. Hi, how are you? Great. Thanks for your call. Yes. What's on your mind? One of the favorite things that we like to do in Provence is go to the market day in each village, and you can find the most amazing uh, local goods. And um, we always like to pick up a picnic while we were there and, and go out and eat it afterwards. And we uh, one time bought some bread and some um, sausage and a nice big piece of Pont Levesque cheese. But unfortunately, the cheese was a little bit past its prime, I think. And we, we ate it, but we really couldn't eat a lot of it. And uh, then we uh, decided to pack it in the uh, trunk of the car just oh, to no. kind of keep the smell <laughs> Oh, <down>. no. <laughs> Everybody's done this oh, once in their it. travel life. Yeah. yeah. And then um, we went to stay at a little uh, masonette. Pont Levesque, of all cheeses. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Went to stay at a little masonette that had a little private kitchen. And we quickly put the cheese in the refrigerator just to keep the smell down. (laughs) Came in the next day from uh, touring around, and Madame had taken the cheese out of the refrigerator and written us a little note. And so, no, 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 no. You never put the cheese in the refrigerator. (laughs) <laughs> but, of course, we couldn't live in the same house with that cheese. <laughs> so we kept putting it back in the refrigerator. But the funny thing is that we had a little mouse in the bathroom. And every day we would see where he had eaten a little bit of the bar of soap. But he never once went in there and ate that cheese. <laughs> Stupid little critter. <laughs> Our memory of France. Uh, that, was not, that was not a French mouse. That was not a French mouse. No. That was a tourist mouse. Yes, absolutely. I do, though, think that a highlight of Provence has got to be the markets. I think even for a French person, and they are nowhere better on display. The combination of fresh produce, right, Patrick, meats, cheeses, baskets, flowers, etc., than on these weekly, mar- normally weekly markets. And you meet these guys that are evangelical about their cheese. And I she's mean, so right. Pick up God. a picnic. You have to stop at 10 places. It's got to be a requirement. Fill your basket. Buy the basket. Buy one of these paniers or a basket, first of all. And go to perfect uh, Hilltown Perch for yeah, a great Provence picnic. is one of the gardens of France. I mean, he's got, he's got uh, fruits, he's got vegetables, he's got a lot of things growing ar- around the Rhone River. There's a lot, a lot of things growing down there. Is Pont Levesque uh, Provencal cheese? Uh, no, Pont comes from Normandy. Normandy, yeah. And they would have had to drive all the way back to Normandy to take it back to Normandy. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. That was her first mistake, buying a Norman cheese in Provence. Yeah. I didn't know any better. Right. Uh, hey, I'll buy Pont Levesque anywhere in France. That's one of my favorite cheeses. It is good. It's, it's a, a great cheese, cheese anywhere. CP, thanks for your story. You're so welcome. Enjoyed talking to you. Bye-bye. Bye now. Lindsay from Seattle emailed us, and she writes, I'm curious to know if there are places where a visitor could not only watch the locals play petanque, 
but could also take some lessons and even play a game or two. Oh, I got it for you. What's this that? is unbelievable. Uh, the the tourist office in uh, Vence, which is really the Riviera, but not far away from this uh, what eastern limit of Provence. So Vence is just outside it, of Nice. Yeah, up, it's a hill town, twenty minutes. Would you say uh, above yeah. Nice, twenty five yeah, minutes above Nice? Yeah. And there's a beautiful Patan court right in front of the tourist office in, in the big mm-hmm. main square of the town of Vence, Vence. And they, they rent or they give away petanque balls and lessons on certain nights of the week for how to play petanque. I mean, you can learn to play petanque in 10 minutes, can't you, with instructions? Yeah, 10, ten minutes is a bit long even. I mean, it's a very, very simple. And print. I mean, I suppose there's uh, techniques, yeah, but, the, but rules. The, the, the rules themselves are the simplest thing you can think of. I mean, it's and very, very I mean, in Nice, I, I rent a bike and drive along. There's a wonderful bike path along the coast out to the airport. And just before that, there's a whole bunch of courts just spread out. And it's so much fun watching. You can get yourself invited into a game. Oh, absolutely! Every every little village will have this this little this little field around uh, next to the town hall, next to the post office, next to the center of town. There, there will be a little a little field where people are playing on Sundays. Or... Is this where men go to escape the house? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's a good idea. No? <laughs> Steve, patank is very popular. Explain it in a, in a nutshell. How do you? What is patank? Well, it's we, we might say lawn bowling, but it's played on a on a dirt sort of gravelly surface in, in in France with these heavy metal balls about the size of baseballs that you lob out. First of all, you lob a target ball the size of a ping pong ball out there, and it's usually uh, a different color. And then you play in teams, okay, you commonly or one versus another. And then you try to lob your ball closer to that target ball and or knock the other ball away. So it's kind of like almost like horseshoes. Horseshoes with balls, very good. Yeah, yeah. all right, and it's a mm. national pastime in France. Oh, it's a big thing, and Provence. Provence is definitely the place where people play the most the uh, petanque. Yeah. What I'd love to recommend to people traveling with families, in particular, buy a set of petanque boules and get the real ones, uh, the heavy ones. If you have kids in particular on your trip, mm. and 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 join, go local because you can usually not find them uh, just there available for you. But what a fun way! And there, I've done this in many cases, just with one friend or two. And the locals playing are always very respectful. Watch first, you know, avoid their paths, their their little courses. And then, what a great souvenir you have when you get home, and you can use them at home too. And what a great way to get the locals to respect you. Yeah. You're an American family pulls into town, and you've set out your patank balls. You know, my son's 15, and it's his favorite thing to do is to break out the patank balls when we're traveling around France. No, and you you will meet people. I mean, you, if you go in the field in Arles next to the, uh, the the Place Lamartine in Arles, there's a big field where a lot of people are playing there. And if you start playing around there, they, there'll be people coming around and looking at your game and saying, listening that you're not speaking French and saying, oh, no, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to do that or whatever. There. And you, you'll meet people. That's for sure. That's a very, very, very guaranteed way of meeting people. It's a very social game. Right there. That's that's reason enough to get some patank balls and, Absolutely. and play. Or go out there and, and watch people play. I've yeah. had people help me, instruct me, and try to teach me to do it right and so on. Is there actually uh, serious leagues and like a France champion? Ah, there's a world championship. No. Hey, you, you've you got world series in the States, so we've got world championship. We've got... Uh, they must be incredibly good. They, they've got, they're very good, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're coming from... All over the world, if I may say, I mean it's kind of uh, Sp- Spain plays quite a lot the same the same game. Argentina, uh, there's a few countries That's around right, the there's world. There's different there. words for it, isn't there? What's another word? for Bocci it? it is Bocci a ball. slightly different game, Bocci but it's, the same it's a bit different. It's not the petanque so, itself. Right. We have an email from Jeff in Irvine, California. Jeff writes: We enjoyed a wonderful four-week home exchange in La Drome, Provençal, two summers ago. We lived in a small village just west of Nyon, the olive capital of France. This delightful region, just north of Vaison, La Romaine has easy access to most of Provence and are your recommended sites and activities, not trampled with tourists. So here's a man who's done a home exchange, setting up in one small town and uh, using that as a base. Tell me more about home well, I love where he chose. Is that right? I mean, I really do. And uh, You could hear it. You could understand with my pronunciation. Yeah, it's Nyons. They pronounce that last S. You never know if they do. Uh, and it is, it's a gorgeous, the northern, I agree with them, the Drôme Provençal is less explored, less known, and a lovely place to set up. And if I understand it, this, this is something, Patrick, you wouldn't know so much. There are organizations set up to facilitate the exchange of homes, and particularly between Frenchmen and Americans. It's very common. It's, it's, a, it's a trend which is becoming big in France. I mean, oh, it's yeah. uh, it, it's hmm. came out in France. Yeah, swapping. Yeah, yeah. Between between French people or intended to be between different nations. Oh, I mean, pretty much is for people who want to go go away and and not have the expense of buying another house somewhere house swapping, or renting sure. a house yeah. somewhere. Well, there's an uh, organization called Servas, S E R V A S, that right. is very popular for this. Reason. I mean, uh, it's it's been around the world for a very long time, but the French have been entering into it. Uh, I would say five years, something like five, ten years, something like that. And it's, be- it's becoming very big. And you know, French people do travel around the world just like that, just swapping houses. And uh, it's becoming more and more uh, important. A lot of people, when they think about Provence, they're thinking of Van Gogh. Van Gogh lived in Provence. 
painted most of his art in Provence, I think. Yeah, I think in 15 or 18 months, he painted more than 300 uh, paintings or something like that. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah he, he did a lot of his work down there. And certainly some of the most known ones, apart from the last few ones in, in uh, Auvers-sur-Oise. All those sunflowers Absol- were Provencal sunflowers. Yeah. The disappointing thing is that there's no one painting of Van Gogh in Provence, or very, very few there. So you go to Arles, for instance, where he lived for a very long time, and there's no painting of Van Gogh down there. What they've organized in a few places is walking on the footsteps of Van Gogh. And it is, it, the paintings, Patrick, I think it was 18 months and hundreds and hundreds of paintings, yeah. so he was prolific in this time. Uh, but you can still follow the tracks and stand where he stood to see, like, Starry Night over the Rhone River mm. or, you know, or Café de, de la Nuit in Arles. Well, they have Arles. plaques in Arles that show the painting. And, right. and you can and, look at the painting and, and they, see the site. The tourism office got a little leaflet that you can buy for one euro or something like that there, and you, you walk in the steps of and, and, I, and it's, the town. And that, I actually think it's really cool. Uh, they've, they've actually augmented it in, in Saint-Rémy, just out Saint-Rémy outside of Arles, mm. to where they put these big tableaus or, or paintings up. You were looking at this wall-sized painting, the original would be in Paris or somewhere else, with the view right there standing where he painted it from. But if you want to see Van Gogh, you got to go to the Orsay Gallery in Paris or the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam or the Arnhem Museum outside of Amsterdam. Or, yeah. I, or, I think that's where the most famous Van Goghs are. Absolutely. The only link with you got with Van Gogh still, in, uh, I mean, uh, apart in from Provence. the places where he painted there, there are two places where they reset uh, his bedrooms there. Right, There's one which true. is very uh, legitimate in Saint-Rémy because right. it's uh, in the place where he was uh, taken care of in the hospital there. And it's a little visit. It's a very tucked out visit out of Saint-Rémy. Huh. It's a very good visit there. There is one that he just built in all there, next to the arena there, and it's a pure tourist trap. It's tur- not very a, 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 interesting. You've got to be careful of Van Gogh tourist traps. Yeah, I think, absolutely. In, in yeah, they're Arles. very good at that. Yeah. But there is one museum facing the arena in Arles that is art-inspired by Van Gogh, and I find it very interesting. And yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that's, that's true. It? It's called the Institute. The Foundation. Foundation, Foundation Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Right. Uh, the, the way it works is they've got temporary exhibits. So uh, you can be there when they do a lot of things around, some painters painting in the style of Van Gogh or things like that, or you can be there when there's something which has not much to do with Van Gogh sometimes mm-hmm. as well. So. Jan in Walnut Creek, California, thanks for your call. Oh, hi, Rick. This is Janice. Um, I was in Provence this summer, and I discovered some wonderful things that actually weren't in your book. And so I wondered if there were other things that, aren't in your book that we, maybe you could tell us about. One that I did see um, was the Museum of Soliedo in Tarascon, and the other was the windmills just outside of Arles. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just wondered if there are any other attractions like this that may not be in your book that we shouldn't miss. I'll let Steve answer that because uh, Steve has written most of that Rick Steve's guidebook to Provence. <laughs> And uh, we, have to, we have a page limit, and we know that Americans have a short vacation time, and we try to be selective. Yeah. We try to cut through uh, a lot of the, the sites and, and just list what we think are the best use of your time, but that's certainly not uh, the same for everybody. What do you think, Steve? Well, and Patrick, you could speak to this too. <clears throat> Excuse me. When I go through, I have to ferret through what's interesting to an American and concentrate more pages on fewer sites and provide more in-depth information. And I know the Museum in Tarascon with the, the fabric, the Soliedo, which is very interesting, um, as well as the, I think it's the Moulin de Daudet. That's Moulin de Daudet yeah, in Fontvieille. I had a Frenchman take me to that that was near and dear to his heart, but it always struck me as a site that was very important to French people, but that Americans wouldn't find as interesting because mm-hmm. who knows Daudet who is an American? I mean, a little windmill is kind of interesting. Well, I can so, give, uh, go even a little bit further on this one. Daudet never wrote anything from the Moulin itself. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> right. And then so, we have to make a call, uh, just a call. Sometimes I, I think the Comargue is very famous and it's quite intriguing mm-hmm. to a lot of people, but Steve and I just think it's, I think I think it's a little overrated. But I will say, you know, it, it, a fair answer to her is that there are lots of sites that I wish I could get in the book, that uh, I'm limited by pages. Uh, one great one, I think, Patrick, you know this place, that's not in the book that you might consider is uh, the Chateau de Grignan, G-R-I-G-N-A-N, just north of um, Nyons uh, in the northern part of Provence. I think it's a very interesting place. Yeah, it's a very, very nice place. They've got a very interesting festival mm-hmm. once a year about books and, uh, mm-hmm. and letters because it was the property of Madame de Sévigny, which mm-hmm. was a, a very, very famous uh, writer in the 18th century. Does that help you, Jan? Yes, it does very much. Good luck in your future travels. Oh, thank you very much. Okay, bye. Bye-bye now. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. I've been joined by Patrick Vidal and Steve Smith. We're talking about Provence. You guys, if you were to sum up one image of Provence, we've had so many in this last hour. Let's say you're going to write a guidebook to Provence. What image would you put on the cover? 
I, would, I wouldn't need an image, I would need some sound. I like the wind and the cicadas. That's the big image of Provence there, the cicadas going... Oh, the, the crickets. Provence. The crickets, yeah, absolutely. When a French person does make a movie about Provence, you don't need an image, you put the sound. You put... And everybody says, oh, it's in Provence. So That's the way it works. So you said the sun, the, the sun, wind... Yeah, the wind. And the sound of the crickets. And the sound of the cricket. Yeah. He's so right. I mean, it is a lot about the sounds. And But the image that I would take home would be with a, uh, a hill town perched on the top of a beautiful vineyard with all that wind and noise and sound going on. What sound does a cricket make? <laughs> wow. Those are the images of Provence in the south of France. Tell us how you've been inspired in your travels in the form of an original haiku poem. The radio section of our website at ricksteves.com has details on how to send us your submissions. Here are a few recent examples we thought you'd enjoy. A couple of Bellevue, Washington listeners who hear us on KUOW have sent us haiku they wrote about their experiences traveling in Ireland. Blaine Rhodes writes us this historical one. Into the Towers protected from Viking swords, not from English lords. And this haiku from Kathy Schaefer takes us out for a night on the town. Pubs and the Guinness make me sing along with trad. I don't sound so bad. And Kristen Machen of West Palm Beach, Florida, listens to us on WLRN Miami. Her poem takes us to a site you might encounter in any number of Mediterranean cities. Roman ruins in modern city, like gigantic white breathments scattered across ancient lawn. Travel with Rick Steves is produced at Europe Through the Back Door in Edmonds, Washington. There's more on our website. That's where you'll find links to our guests, a forum for you to post your comments, and a link to send us your original haiku. That's also where you can listen to this program again and search for prior shows by topic. It's all in the radio section at ricksteves.com. Our theme music is by Jerry Frank. I'm the show's producer, Tim Tatton. Join us again next week for Travel with Rick Steves. Rick Steves teaches smart travel to France and beyond. On Rick's website, you'll find an archive of interviews from his radio show, free audio tours of Paris's top sites, a monthly travel newsletter, and a world of information to help you turn your travel dreams into smooth and affordable reality. To prepare for your next French adventure, begin your trip at ricksteves.com.